ओम वक्रतुंड महाकाय सूर्यकोटिप्रभ निर्विघ्न कुर मे देवर्वकारेशु सर्वदा ओम ओम भगवते श्री स्वामीनारायणाय नम ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओम नम शिवाय ओम ऐं ह्रीं क्लीं चामुंडाय विच्छे ओम सर्वंगलमंगल्ये शिवे सर्वाधिके शरण्य त्र्यंबके गौरीनारायणी नमोस्तुते ओम त्र्यंबक यजामहे सुगंधि पुष्टिवर्धनम ऊर्वाकमी वंदना मृत्योर्मुक्षीयृतात ओं नम शिवाय ओम श्री गुरुस्त्र अखंडमंगलाकारम व्यान चराचर तत्पद दर्शित येन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम अज्ञानतिमरांदनशलाकया चक्षुम मिलत मेन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम गुर्ब्रह्मा गुर्विष्णु गुर्देव महेशर गुरुरव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्रीगुरव नम स्थावर जंगम व्याप्त यत्किंचिचराचर तत्पद दर्शित मेन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम श्रीगुरभ्यो नम श्रीगुरस्त्र ओं अखंडमंगलाकार व्याप्त मेन चराचर तत्पद दर्शित मेन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम ध्यानमूल गुरोर्मूर्तिमंत्रमूल गुरोर्वाक्यम पूजामूलम गुरोर्पदम मोक्षमूल गुरोर्कृपा श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम श्री सद्गुभ्यो नम Welcome to Daily Satsang. Today we are continuing our contemplation on Bhagwan Shiv. We have been examining the third eye, the opening of the third eye, which obviously has infinite meaning behind it. We cannot fully intellectually grasp the mysteries of that. Nonetheless, uh we have an intellect, we have a body, we have a mind. God has given us these things so that we can utilize them for contemplation it but interestingly enough to utilize them for manan chintan nididhasan contemplation on something that really cannot be thought of now that seems very contradictory so that's the other point i want to talk about before i get into the nilkant connection the you know the um poison held by bhagwan shiv in his uh, throat and the connection of the third eye before we get to that today maybe half the time i'll spend uh, on this just to clarify a couple of things in the upanishad it is written that yato vacho nivartante tat tat prapya manasasa yato vacho nivartante aprapya manasasa sorry that the mind speech and thought can never reach that infinite truth well if it cannot reach the infinite truth then why are people contemplating on it and thinking about it and analyzing it and studying it if it cannot be thought about achin achintanaya it's 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 unthinkable that the mind cannot think of that which is the brahman so that is true yes it is true that it cannot think about it that is correct all we have are concepts and ideas the exception are mantras mantra is not something that one thinks as such it is thought that is utilized to resonate with that vibration and that is a connector with the divinity that is really perhaps the only exception and then the other exception is the direct presence of the fully enlightened sage who is emitting 
who is holding God in every pore of the being. In in a Swami Narayan Satsang, this is called Bhagwanna Akhandadharak Sant. It is a very commonly used expression in all of the sampradaya. Uh, and it is used in other sampradayas also that to hold God continuously within. Now, and that actually is the answer to this question that the sadhana is to hold the teachings, truths, ideas, the murtis, images, the, the, um, uh, uh, the different scriptures, the glory of the lives of the sages, to hold it inside. That much we can do. That is called Purush Pratna, Purusharth. If we do not do that, there is no possibility as such of the third eye opening. So this much capacity we do have, but what we are doing as humanity, we are holding the experience of this Bhautik Jagat, this worldly experience inside our mind, in our heart, in our desires, in our senses, in our attachments. Yes, we are holding them. And this is what we see. 99%, almost everybody, except for a few, perhaps. There are many who are trying to come out of that. But that's not so, so straightforward. So, to hold God, to hold the Paramatma within, this is exactly what we see from Bhagwan Shankar. We see Bhagwan Shankar as a devotee, also as a bhakta. He is actually uh, amazingly bhakta. He is bhakta of Vishnu, Bhagwan Vishnu. He is bhakta of Bhagwan Ram, Bhagwan Krishna. He is always in the role of a devotee. He is even the bhakta of the goddess, Devi. So, and then he is Bholenath. So he is the bhakta of the bhaktas also. And that is another big teaching from the Charitra of Shivji and the form of Shiva. That the holding of the Paramatma, the Ishta Devata, holding the Ishta Devata within, we see that all the time in Shiva. We see him meditating. Well, who is he meditating on? Some people will say he's just meditating on himself, but he's just in his own soham state. That is true. No doubt. Advait Vedanta would say that. That is not wrong. That is correct. When you are in the Atmic consciousness, you are just in the self-effulgent Swaswarup state. No question. No question. But there is another way to see Shiva's meditation. Because that third eye is always actually open. It seems like you know it's closed. It's, it's closed in terms of the sansar. But he's always open from within. And that's another thing people don't know really. They think that, you know, Bhagwan Shankar, he opens the third eye and the whole Srishti is destroyed and Kamdev is destroyed and this is destroyed. This is what we think that means. And that is also true. It is metaphysically true. And there is quite a bit of Pauranic and Vedantic meaning behind it. No doubt. But there's another meaning. The other meaning is that the eye is open all the time from within. And that is a big teaching for all of us. 
that as we are holding this, the scriptures and the lives of the sages and the love for the great state of the sages. In Vachanamrutam, Swaminarayan Bhagwan he mentioned so beautifully, that means that when you have the enlightened beings, we have so much love for enlightened beings and we see them, right? We see their life, their charitra, their, the way they live, the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they interact. Love develops. But it means that that love for such sages becomes a bridge, a doorway. It's a sadhana. It, it becomes a sadhan. It, it becomes a method. A, it, it becomes a, a doorway, a gateway into the Atma. Some people are just concerned, you know, just with the form of the Guru. They're running after the Gurus. That is a big mistake. To run after the Gurus is a mistake. To love and hold their state inside is the real Guru worship. Otherwise, there are so many people are interested in hero worship. Hero worship is what somebody is a big guru. Thousands of people are running after that person. That's also humbi We'll start running. Something, some blind leading the blind kind of situation. That, that is not what the Guru Stotram is about. The Guru Stotram is challenging us to open our eyes. See this, uh, the, the second verse there. Chakshurum militam tasme shri gurave namaha. Salutations to that Guru who opened the eyes of the one who is blind due to the darkness, the covering of ignorance, with the anointment of knowledge. Physical Gurus are the beginning. What is their state of realization is what we are trying to awaken. So we respect them, we ask them questions. What does the Bhagavad Gita say? Tadviddi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya Go to the enlightened sages that you feel are enlightened. Ask them questions. Do their seva. But seva is what after all? You're just running after somebody and organizations and all that? Okay, that's a beginning. But that's certainly not the end. You know, seva has much more meaning than that. Seva, seva means sevan. Sevan means bringing, drinking the bliss of satsang. Now, as a caveat... I don't want there to be a misunderstanding in what I'm trying to say. Yes, there are countless gurus and religious organizations, spiritual organizations. You know, I, in my heart, we love them. As long as they're not hurting or killing anybody, it's fine. You know, it's, it's, they can do what, what they want to do. All, all my point is simply as per the exposition of the Guru Stotram, the Guru Stotram is not telling anywhere here to go start running after anybody. It doesn't say that. It says love the gurus recognize the gurus, bow down to the gurus, recognize their state, what they're able to do. In the sense that we resonate, it's a resonance with the guru. The resonance with the Satpurusha, Satguru, the great enlightened being, that resonance is what we're looking for. We're not looking for the personality. The personality, if you get stuck with the personality, then what will happen, we will, that is another, I mean, look, the, getting stuck with the personality can create Raga and Dvesha, that my Guru is better than your Guru. Now the same thing that you were trying to get rid of to begin with, Raga and Dvesha, in a very twisted way has come back again. As soon as that thought comes, my Guru is better than you, me versus you, that ego comes, finished. It, the whole spirituality is crushed, gone, finished. Then it's an illusion of spirituality. 
what the gurus are trying to do is to break through all such divisions into the atma but there's but because we're living in the sansar there are countless organizations yes they are a means to an end they're like ladders in Sachin's perspective, they, they're not an end in themselves. Just like a university, it's a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. So similarly, in the same way, when we look at Bhagwan Shiv, we, sh we see this constant universal acceptance. And that is one of the biggest points of Bhagwan Shankar. It is the acceptance of everybody. Who is rejected? No one. Even someone like Ravan, you know, who is considered to be an Asura and whatnot. What do we see? We see Ravan has, is a tremendous devotee of Bhagwan Shiv. He's not an ordinary devotion. He's written that Shiv Tandav Sotram and he was a scholar of the Vedas. And, you know, he was a very uh, awakened being in many ways. But you will notice what happened in his case. Ahankar. And that was his downfall. You know, so there's a lot of meaning behind it. But the fact is, the fact is that Bhagwan Shankar said, yes, he, Shivji has said that one has to see even the tapasharya, the intensity, the drive, the force of someone like Ravan. So he gives him the fruit. He gave him siddhis. He gave him lots of aishwarya, tremendous things. Was he satisfied? No. That's the whole point because they're always looking for something more and usually looking for something more by hurting somebody. That is the main quality of the Asura. It is to, to progress by somebody else's damage. So, Bhagwan Shiv is teaching us to keep the broadest of vision, the highest of devotion, the highest of tapasharya, the best family life, to interact with all, to have constant compassion for all. My God, what is not there? He is even manifesting the oneness with Devi Parvati in the Ardhanareshwar Swarup, the, the fusion of desire. And I've written a book on that actually, and there's a lot to be said about that. It's very important for grahasthas usually. Different subject, we'll continue, we'll get to that a little bit later in this series. It's fascinating, it's absolutely fascinating. And then there is, there is, this sense that Bhagwan Shiv is meditating on somebody. Who is he meditating on? So there is higher level Tattvagnan, which we have not really covered yet, but we will get to that. But there is, based on the Sampradaya that you go to, but if you really do a comparative study, you would find that there is Shiva coming from the Virat Narayana or the Virat Purusha, or sometimes called Parashiva, and then that is evolved from Mahatattva, and that is evolved from the <coughs> Pradhan Purusha. And that is evolved from Mool Prakriti, Mool Purusha, Mool Purusha. And then both of them are, have come out of or have, are within the infinite substratum of Chidakash, the Nirakar, Akshara Brahma. 
and in Bhagwan Swaminarayan's Tattvagnyan, there is even this force, Akshara Brahma with form, and there is the Aksharatit Paramatma, beyond even Akshara Brahma, the mood Swarup of the God, as per the Bhagavad Gita also. So there is a Tattvagnyan, but if you take any Upasana of the, of the Panchadevatas, including Bhagwan Shiv, it will eventually lead you up to Akshara Brahma, and then that wisdom about the Parabrahma. So there is that higher level, quite profound metaphysics, that we have not really got into, but we will get to that carefully. We want to keep things very practical. Bhagwan Shankar is the one who is able to destroy the root level ignorance within us by giving us what we are looking for. That is really something. Both interesting point A. Let's say Sachin says that I want to have a $500,000 home. I have a one-bedroom condominium that I do have a temple in here and beautiful satsang is going on. But Sachin has desire, let's say, oh, I want, you know, some big mansion. Have even a bigger temple in there. Have even a bigger, some more rooms and more this and more that and more friends and more parties and whatever I want, let's say. I don't want those things actually, but <laughs> but uh, let's assume for a moment that somebody does want that. So this is the interesting thing about Bhagwan Shiv and of course the goddess. And actually with any form of God, this is true. But particularly Bhagwan Shiv. If you go to Shiva, and say, oh Lord Shiva, hey Prabhu, I want that $500,000 home and I will do sadhana. So one can start doing sadhana, start on Shivratri day and do the whole Shivratri, the Rudram and Chamakam and the Namashivai Mantra and start doing sadhana. One might say we'll start with 11 rounds of the rosary with the Sankalpa, I want to see this happen and keep progressing further, 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 more and more devotion towards Shiva, because you want that thing. It's not that the person, he loves Shiva. He loves Shiva because he, because the grace of the, the Paramatma in the form of Shiva can give you that thing that you're looking for. So, okay. So, it's open. It's an open door policy. You can try and see what happens. And people have done this. In the whole history of the Sanatana Dharma, there are countless individuals who have done this in their own way, whatever they're wanting. So they want something. Many times when the devotion begins to increase, you forget what you want because the devotion is so sweet. That also happens. That happens, you know. You see even these asuras doing tapasheri and all that. You may have seen in the different serials. They're wanting something, but then once they see the Paramatma come in front of them, they, 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 are, they said, I don't want, even want anything. I just want you only. But then the... But then the uh, um, Bhagwan said, no, you have been meditating because I have to give you something now. So you better ask what you want for. <laughs> that is an interesting thing. Almost happens in every case. But anyway, the fal, falam, jisko fal kete na, sadhana, with, that is done with sakam bhav, it generates a fruit. You know how we offer the fruits in the temple? There's another, that's another interesting meaning that is actually the meaning behind that is for devotion and, and to bhakti bhav. But there's a, a, some other meanings also. But when we do sadhana, we get the fruit of the sadhana. 
and that is for sakam bhakta they're devotees of god but they want something from god so let's assume for a moment sachin starts doing namah shivaya namah shivaya namah shivaya namah shivaya namah shivaya shiva day and night shiva is going on every moment you get because i want that 500000 home i want a bigger job i want some money i want this i want this whatever i want i want that thing so what will happen in this is that at some point as the sadhana takes hold punya is accumulated punya meaning that the punya of doing the sadhana in that accumulated punya will generate a fruit what you are wanting what is your sankalpa you know when you go to the temples we say they said what is your sankalpa take take your sankalpa make your sankalpa and all that thing right depends what you want so people go with different things they want this they want to see this happen that happen that okay there's no problem in that we should be asking there's no problem because we're living in the sansar but it's good to do the sadhana necessary to do the sadhana so now this is the interesting part a point will come where that thing that you were looking for does show up it will show up either in this life or next life or at some point it will show up this is the metaphysical truth behind sadhana and if it is done consistently <clears throat> then what you are looking for the paramatma does forgive you that but here is the interesting point point when you get what you are looking for Bhagwan Shiv is going to give you the wisdom also to recognize that what you are looking for is a very small limited thing based on your own mind and ego and desire and what you, so that wisdom comes right along with that when you get that fruit so when you get the fruit you feel oh i got it you feel the happiness and this and that but but because it is adhyatmik sadhana the wisdom comes about the limitations of that fruit and from that wisdom the bhakta can evolve further into asking from god only god that is the highest nishkam bhakti bhagwan ke paas kya magna bhagwan ke paas bhagwan hi magna that's the highest he is anandakanta wo hi hai you know so but that and then when you are in that state then whatever the worldly needs are you don't even have to ask for that that automatically will give to come to you as needed so you can continue your seva and progression the difference between sakam bhakti and nishkam bhakti is this difference between the third eye being closed and third eye being opened that much difference there is when the third eye opens that is nishkam bhakti so you see things from all sides sakam bhakti two eyes are open i want to see the sansar experience the sansar and 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 the third eye it remains closed but but when bhakti reaches that stage of just wanting to remain in bhakti bhakti devi jisko hum radhika ji kehte राधिका जी इज भक्ति एक्चुअली भक्ति तत्व पूर्ण भक्ति तत्व सो दैट इज इन साइड ऑफ अस एज दैट अवेकन्स देन द भक्त इज फ्लडेड विथ आनंद इट डजेंट द एक्सपीरियंसेस ऑफ द संसार 
are so insignificant compared to that ananda chidananda rupa brahmanandam paramasukhadam kevalam gnana murtim right that verse we've been looking at for a long time in the past so as sachin is talking sachin has to ask himself what does sachin want see in swaminarayan sampradaya there was a gunatitanan swami who i mentioned many times before he has mentioned in his talks very beautiful statement that jetlu kai maya ma sukh che dukh vina hoy nahi that means what he's saying is that any kind of sukha inside this prakriti has dukh inside it it is a combination sukh dukh if you really probe carefully you will find that that mixture is always present but to reach the atma he also said atmanusuk akhanda che the atma actually the atma the samyak atma darshan is divine joy ananda 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 effulgent ever increasing constant joy that is the atma and to reach that stage of the atmic realization akhanda ananda the devotion the energy within the nine chakras reaches non egotistical flow there is no flow of the energy with ego there is flow with of all of the energy without ego hence there is a glow no ego there is spiritual glow little poem there you make a nice poem out of that one the spiritual glow opens up from inside when the ahankar is not present not asking anything from god i <clears throat> swami chinmayananda ji used to say you know when we pray to god we're not praying to god, we're praying upon god <laughs> we're praying upon god why want this and i want that you say like, like a business transaction you know itni jab karenge ye phal dena ye karenge ye dena give me this give me that give me this give me that theek hai it's good no nothing wrong you know it's a it's it's a beginning because we are the problems of the sansar are are endless so we don't want the problems of the sansar but but once the problems of the sansar have subsided the further evolution towards brahma vidya is bu- is necessary otherwise one will still dive back down right into the come back right to where one started so the progression the upward progression all the way up to the brahmic consciousness is the ultimate goal of human existence even on the devotional side most of the people are sakam bhakta okay no no problem is beautiful is nothing wrong at all but it is a cyclical phenomena you get something then you want something more then you keep praying and going to, because we have not realized as i was mentioning yesterday gnana shakti and ichha shakti they need to come together they need to get married you know in the temples you know we have there's a ceremony called kalyanam have you ever seen that the, that ceremony they do this kalyanam ceremony mostly in south indian temples or south india in south india is done more more than north india i have not seen any north indian temple do that ceremony 
but in south indian in in south uh, south uh, traditions uh, this is done quite often and the if you listen to the actual marriage ceremony that is there that's a marriage ceremony between uh, between shivji and parvati between radha and krishna between um, um sita ji and ram ji it's like it's a marriage ceremony and people who want to get married they do that sadhana but actually if you listen to the the puja carefully <laughs> you know what it is it's actually this fusion of the gnan shakti and the ichha shakti it is a fusion if it's it's in the kalyanam vidhi itself where it's where your internal kundalini shakti your internal power is fused with god that is the kalyanam but in the grahastha life when you are walking the path together you can connect together and walk that path so so just as bhagwan shiv and, and and devi parvati are fused and connected together and in a, in, in a state of oneness may the new couple be also be fused and connected together in a state of oneness and in that and in that state of oneness there isn't the desire then left for running after the worldly pleasures that is the rahasya of the kalyanam ceremony so every ceremony every ritual done in the temples has this underlying spiritual current behind it that is teaching us constantly how to live in the world what to, with what vision to live in the world but bring bhagwan shiv and devi to right within within your mind within your heart and when you do that this material life becomes tremendously joyous and along with that the spiritual development also occurs so when that material life issues are not there which is what we want to get to that is where shiv and shakti combine together with ganesha ganesha is the remover of all obstacles so the ganesh tatva is such that we are living in the sansar the obstacles get obliterated because there is the beautiful realization of how to live in this mixed world with a phenomenal intelligence and wisdom and gnan so in living in that way in living with that understanding with that vision we are able to move towards further and further development towards the brahmavidya because there is a realization the opening of the third eye is a realization of all of the vedantic truths the whole vivek chudamani the whole bhagavad gita the 555 vyasa sutras brahma sutras the 108 upanishads the minor upanishads the ved mantras everything is in the opening of the third eye everything there's nothing missing because once that opens the bhakta is is in a state of mukti is really tremendous why you know in the human body this body we have and the intelligence mind and everything we have it is the biggest blessing but we don't know the technology of how to use it for to open the third eye that technology is the bhagavad gita brahma sutras the great sages their life the 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 
uh, everything we've talked about, the love for the, everything we've presented, it is an internal technology. It is an internal realization that takes us to extraordinary heights of realization. And so much comes in higher and higher and higher development. So it is a journey to be taken. For those who are wanting constant joy, constant joy, if you want that, or to open constant joy, Divya Ananda, then, then the Sukh and the Dukh do not touch. They're there. But there, one is able to see through, pierce through, and like a laser beam cut through the dualities of Sukh and Dukkha. That piercing ability is the full energy harnessed and conserved. And with that energy, with Jnana Shakti, Icha Shakti combined together, built together, marriage together, they are, they are bound together. Just like how, you know, in the Hindu marriages, we have the going around the fire seven times or nine times or whatever it is, you know, and then there's these songs that are played and, and it's a massive ritual. There's a lot of ritual done in a marriage. Why the marriage ceremony, the Kalyanam actually, which is the ideal, why that is done like that? Because if you only have Icha Shakti, but you don't have the Gnana or any commitment or anything like that, you know what happens? The person is not fit to get married. People need a license to get a dog or to drive a car. They don't need a license to get married. They get, they get a marriage license after they get married and God knows what they do with that marriage. The fitness to even get married, one needs to understand that. Marriage is not just about sensual pleasures. It is, an, it is a phenomenal commitment. And it is a lot of joy. If it is done, if it is done in the way that the Kalyanam is done, that is why Bhagwan Shiv is the tremendous guide along these lines. You know, he is at the simultaneously he is the greatest of yogis, and the greatest enjoyer and the dancer, and and he's connected with Devi, and he's it's just it's just unbelievable how these two things are combined together. That is Shiva. Because he's, he is able to activate, he's able to see the myriad of forms of Mahamaya as we were talking about yesterday in the Mahanirvana Tantra, you know, in this, in this quotation, that the infinite reality, the expressions of the forms of Maya, one can see them, appreciate them, cherish them, but at the same time not be ensnared by them, not be entrapped by them. Now how is that possible? How is it possible that Bhagwan Shiv is able to do this? Now let's look at this quotation. Take a look at this quotation regarding the Shiv temples. The heart of a Shiv temple is a little shrine called the Garbhagraha, which when dedicated to Shiva contains a phallic stone shaft, the Lingam as a sign of the presence of the great God. The Lingam is a representation of the divine power within, but it also does represent, even Adi Shankaracharya has said, the connection between male and female at our level. 
But to move from that into the opening of the third eye is the real meaning of the lingam. But the fact is that that is its actual meaning that we are born out of the sambhog of the Sri and Purush, out of our parents. That is that one kind of birth. But there's another kind of birth when that same power, the energy that is created within the brain and the mind to generate a human being, that same energy goes towards the Sahasrara Chakra. There is something called the Divya Lingam. It is called the Jyotir Lingam. And this is described in the scripture called Vedras by Bhagavan Swaminarayan and also. Amazing. And it is written, of course it is described in all the, all the different Shiva Asampradayas. That the Jyotir Lingam and we have the 12 Jyotirlings in, in, in uh, India, of course, you know, but they're, they're inside of us. So as we progress in sadhana, by the grace of God, we go out beyond the Agnya Chakra. Agnya Chakra is a two-petal lotus where the Shiv, Shivji is present there, Bhagwan Shankar. And then there is the fusion, the, the, the Sahasrara opens, thousand-petal lotus opens, and then from there the Archi Marga is open. Archi Marga actually opens right from the from the Agnya Chakra. It's actually opened right from Muladhar all the way up, but it's a path of light. You know, it is a path of divine light that where the Atma can go through the various stages of experience. That's a quite metaphysical subject. Later we will definitely cover that. What is Archi Mark? So, you will notice here, look at the second line. Above this holies of holies rises the tower Shikhar, richly decorated with gods and heavenly singers, symbolizing Mount Meru, the center of the universe, piercing all the heavenly spears. So Mount Meru is also described in the Vachanamrutam. This is not some mythical mountain or something like that. That's not what it is. Mount Meru is actually, Mount Meru is actually um, a, a metaphysical um, how can I say, it's, it's, the, word is, the word mountain is used, but it's not like a mountain. How to explain that? It is like the, it is a massive transcendental structure within which all of the whole Brahman is actually uh, existing. You know, so the temples that we have in the Sanatana Dharma, they are representations or they're connectors into the transcendental Brahman itself. So that, is, so that is the upliftment. So when we devotion and Gnana and Vairagya and Bhakti and Seva and all these beautiful qualities, Nishkam Bhav, Nishkam Bhakti, when the mind uplifts into the, in, and dissolves into the form of God. In Vachanamruta it is written as Bhagwana Swarupama Lean Thaijo. Or in Shikshapatra it is written like this. Radhika Ji gets lean, she gets merged inside Sri Krishna. When that stage comes, there is all of this opening in Vachanamrutam, the first one only the guarantee is there. When Akhandavrutti, that means continuous contemplation, Dhyan, Manan, Chintan is there on the form of Paramatma, of God. Everything opens up. Ji, Vishwar, Maya, Akshara, Brahm, Parabrahm, Golok, Vaikuntha, Shvetvi, Brahmapur, all transcendental reality opens up for the sadhaka. Wow! It's in the first Vachanamrut. We'll go through it sometime. We'll go through when we covered the Swaminarayan series. We have not. I'm kind of touching upon it in bits and pieces, but there will be a, <laughs> hopefully in this lifetime, I'll get to that. But uh, uh, I definitely want to, you know, create that more, much more in-depth uh, series on Bhagwan Swami. And I have created some things on there.
but there's, you know, it is an ocean, obviously, but I'm just putting it here now, just to put it, that there's a guarantee. Maharaj has given a guarantee, and this guarantee is in the Gita also, and other scriptures. That if the mind gets continuously absorbed in the form of Paramatma, like the flow of oil from one container to another, that is the whole thing. Ananda means not any other chintan except the Paramatma. If everywhere we go that Paramatma's presence is present, is there. In anything and in everything. If that's the case, wow, tremendous. Then where's the issue of rejecting the world? You can see the play of Maya as a Leela and be free of Maya at the same time. That is called a Jivan Mukta who is able to bask within the forms of Maya without being touched by them. That is written in Vachanamrutam also, Garada Madhya 13. Maharaj himself talked about himself. He said, even if the most attractive vishayas are there, even if I try to get attached my mind to them, they will not get attached. Mind will not, mind will retract back into the Atma. Because the attraction power is gone from the mind because of because of gnan. Out of ignorance, that attraction power towards other things are there. And then the sukhan is experience, Rajogun Tamogun. But once you have realized the Atma, then wherever you go, you are in that higher consciousness. It's the most extraordinary thing. Okay, I have to stop here because we will have to pick this up tomorrow.